Well, I'm going to do something a little different and walk down here because I think it's too strange for me to be up here and it's be such a small group. So is that okay with you if I come down here? All right. So welcome to Christ the King on this beautiful Sunday morning. And it is beautiful. I'm so glad that we're worshiping together and learning about God's Word. Today we're remembering Jesus' transfiguration on the mountain with his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and as we celebrate the transfiguration of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as I look, this is about right. The number's about right. You've got Peter, James, John, Jesus, and Moses and Elijah. That's who's on the mountain. So Peter, James, John, Moses, Elijah. No, I'm not Jesus, so they'll be Jesus. So, But, <laughs> but the number's correct. And so profound things can happen in very small numbers. So I don't shy away when I, when I see this. I, I get excited and more energetic and, and anticipating what God might want to communicate with us. We are continuing as well in our series on technology this summer. And I know it's a bit of a stretch to connect the transfiguration with technology, but this is how I want you to do it. I'm going to give you some things to think about going into the message as a tie-in, I want us to see the transfiguration as God's communion and communication with his disciples and with us. Let us be looking at how God desires to communicate with us and to commune with us. Be thinking about that. Let us see the competition that we face for our own attentions and our own affections in our lives. Be thinking about that. Let us see the distractions that we might encounter as we seek God's communion with us. And as he seeks to communicate with us, let's think about the things that might get in the way or hinder that communication. How is our technology helping our transformation and how might it be hindering it? Think along these lines this morning with me as we enter into this message. Today's sermon title is Communion. Does God have our undivided attention? That's a good question. Communion. God desires communion with us, but does he have our undivided attention? The main point of today's message is simply this. If we are with Jesus and we are listening to him, we will experience glorious communion with God. If we are with Jesus and we are listening to him, we will experience glorious communion with God. Isn't that great? A simple and profound truth that we can get straight from the transfiguration account. Our scripture passages were read. They're also in your leaflet, Luke 9, 28 through 36, if you would like to follow along, and 2 Peter 1, 13 through 21, found in your leaflets and in your pew Bibles. Let's pray as we begin. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Well, if we are listening to him we will experience his glorious communion. This was the case with the disciples on the Mount of the Transfiguration, and this is the case with us. 
God desires communion and he desires to communicate with his children. This witness is the message of the transfiguration. As Pope Francis simply framed it, listen to Jesus, follow him. That's the message of the transfiguration. Before the transfiguration, Jesus was with his disciples. As they followed him and listened to him, Jesus asked his disciples, who are people saying that I am? Peter said, well, some think you're Moses, some think you're Elijah. Jesus dug a little bit further and said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter professed Jesus to be the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to Peter, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed these things to you. This dialogue, the location was probably Caesarea Philippi, where there were niches or tabernacles made in the rock face for a variety of deities to dwell. Many different gods were worshipped here, and the gates of hell, a small cave, was at the base of the mountainside here as well. And this is where Jesus would have said, and the gates of hell will not prevail over it. It was most likely this location. I actually had the privilege to go to this location in 2015. I was on an Israel study tour, and they had a do not climb the Nietzsche sign down towards the bottom right. So my friend did not see that sign, and he climbed up in the Nietzsche, and then I felt the need to do the same. And I'm sure the antiquities people were not happy about that had they seen this. Um, but we had a photo op, and then we saw the sign. We're like, oops. So um, a friend of mine tagged it on Facebook. He said, so you're having a little idle time. <laughs> idle time. So sitting on the little niches in the rock. But it's a very comical situation. About eight days after these things, that's how our passage begins. So I just gave you the background of the eight days after these things that I've just set up for you. It's important when we look at the Bible to see what becomes in front of it and what comes after it, not to just take a passage in isolation because we lose its meaning. So the author, Luke, wants us to know that it was eight days after these sayings that Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up to this mountain to pray. This mountain was most likely Mount Hermon, not far from Caesarea Philippi, though some people say it's Mount Tabor, but this would have been a more likely location. It's the one I hold to. And praying with his disciples and by himself was not an uncommon practice for Jesus. Jesus wanted to commune and to communicate with his Father. And we see this right here as Jesus models this time of prayer. Sometimes he would pray for long periods of time, and oftentimes Jesus would pray through the night. As Jesus was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. One translation says that no kind of bleach could make it that white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of Jesus' departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. This transfiguration, the word there is metamorphosis, 
This metamorphosis of Christ on the mountainside demonstrates his glory and is one of the few places in the Gospels where we see Jesus' complete nature, both human and divine, and it is displayed in full radiant splendor. Warren Wiersbe, emphasizing this point, says, as far as the gospel record is concerned, this transfiguration was the only occasion during Christ's earthly ministry when he revealed the glory of his person. Luke did not use the word transfigure, but he described the same scene. The word means to change in appearance. It is a change that comes from within so it is a radiance that is coming in from inward and pushing outward. A change from within. And it gives us this English word of metamorphosis. Appearing with Jesus on the mountain is both Moses and Elijah. They are the embodiment of the law and the prophets. Literally the physical representation, Moses of the law, Elijah of the prophets. These men are also talking with Jesus about his departure, his exodus. Moses and his exodus, Moses had his exodus, and now we see our Lord preparing for his own exodus. Jesus was going to the cross to the grave, was to resurrect, and was to ascend his throne in glory. Tom Wright, in his commentary, Luke for Everyone, says that Luke has chosen the word Exodus, not least in connection with Moses, is that in his death, Jesus was to enact an event just like the great Exodus from Egypt, only more so. In this first exodus, Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and home to the promised land. And in the new exodus, Jesus will lead all of God's people out of their slavery from sin and death and home to their promised inheritance, to the new creation in which the whole world will be redeemed. That's good news. That's the gospel. Edwin Chapman puts it like this, Christ illustrates the purpose of life as he descends his transfiguration to toil and goes forward to exchange the robe of heavenly brightness for a crown of thorns. The transfiguration is communicating that Jesus is indeed the complete fulfillment of both the law and the prophets, and in him the Father is well pleased. God is also communicating his glory to us today. We are invited to commune with Jesus, to experience his glory in our lives, and to experience a transfiguration of our own if we will only follow and listen to him. As the account continues, Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory in the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. It is interesting to note that in this moment of Christ's transfiguration, 
Jesus is Jesus is full on glory. The disciples are asleep. The other time we see the disciples asleep on Jesus' watch is the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus is at one of his most vulnerable and humble states, the application is simple. Whether it is in glorious times or in humiliating times, we are all prone to fall asleep on the job as sinful disciples of Christ. This is the fallen human condition. We are easily distracted and we are easily wearied. It is also worth noting that Peter is completely confused and misled and misses the point here. The scriptures even say about Peter that he did not knowing what he said, or as Wright puts it in his interpretation, he didn't know what he was saying. Keeping with his cultural and religious understandings, Peter may have been lumping Jesus in the same category or putting him on the same playing field with Moses and Elijah. Peter may have even been thinking about Caesarea Philippi and was seeing Jesus as one of many other gods who need a niche to stay in. It's idolatry, which brings us to the voice of God the Father and his command for us to listen to Jesus. Luke 9, 34-36 continues, As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid. And as they entered the cloud, a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. There it is. Listen to Jesus. And then they saw no one but Jesus alone. 1 John chapter 3 says that when we see Jesus, we will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's discipleship. That's transformation as God transforms us more and more into the image of his son. In the Old Testament, the cloud is associated with the presence of God. The Reformation Study Bible says, this designation, my son, emphasizes the divine relationship and this command to listen to him, his divine authority. Both set Jesus apart as different from and superior to Moses and Elijah. In short, Jesus is our God and King, and our allegiance is to Christ alone. Elijah and Moses have no glory of their own, and neither do we. We are to reflect the glory of Jesus Christ. Jesus' transfiguration, his metamorphosis, is what transforms us. However, this transformation will not happen unless we are with him, unless we follow him to the mountaintop, unless we stay awake, unless we listen to him, unless we serve and worship Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. In Exodus 34, 29 through 30, Moses went up to the mountain to commune with God and to bring back God's law. Many of you know this story. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that his skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses and behold, the skin of his face shone brightly. 
and they were afraid to come near him. God is welcoming us into this kind of intimate, transformational communion. Will we follow him up the mountain? Will we listen to him? In closing, Wearsby states that there is a practical lesson in the transfiguration. We can have a spiritual transfiguration experience each day as we walk with the Lord. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, for this is our spiritual worship. We are no longer to be conformed to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Then we will know what the excellent and pleasing will of God is for our lives. And also in 2 Corinthians 3.18, these verses tell us how we are to be transformed. As we surrender body, mind, and will, the Lord transforms us from within so that we are not conformed to the world. As we behold him in the word, the mirror, we are transfigured by the spirit from glory to glory. Henry Clay Trumbull says, in the time of Jesus, the Mount of Transfiguration was on the way to the cross. In our day, the cross is on the way to the Mount of Transfiguration. If you would be on the mountain, you must consent to pass over the road to it. What obstacles are on your road to the mountain this morning? What Calvary Hills must you climb to get to the mountain of transfiguration? What is your cross to bear? Is he calling you today? Are you listening? Do you hear him? Alexander McLaren invites us to remember the vision on the mountain of transfiguration and to let it be ours, even in the glare of earthly joys and brightness to lift up our eyes like those wandering three and see no man anymore save Jesus only. Would you see Jesus only this morning? May you see him, follow him, and listen to him now and always. Now may the Lord, our Lord and King, in the mystery of the word made flesh, cause a new light to shine on your hearts and give you the knowledge of his glory in the face of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Let your continual mercy, O Lord, cleanse and defend your church. And because it cannot continue in safety without your help, protect and govern it always by your goodness through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. O God, who on this holy mountain revealed to chosen witnesses your beloved Son, wonderfully transfigured and remnant white and glistening, mercifully grant that we, being delivered from the disquietude of this world, may by faith behold the King in his beauty, who with you, O Father, and you, O Holy Spirit, lives and reigns one God forever and ever. Amen.